Have you ever wondered how to make sense out of your messy life or how to live in peace in the middle of a stressful world? My name is Jamie Norton, and I want to welcome you to the Making Peace and Beyond podcast, where we talk about life struggles and how to live in the peace, joy, and freedom that Christ died to give us. Hello, and welcome again to Making Peace and Beyond podcast. Today, I'm really excited to once again be with Michael Campbell, who is our marriage pastor at Grace Church. And both of us deal a lot, Michael, with marriages. And um, there's some really difficult things, marriage being the most sacred relationship ever, but the most difficult ever. So I thought today maybe we could just talk about what we both experience in um, working with people in their marriages. So hello. Hello. I'm very happy to be here. (laughs) Marriage is something that obviously I'm super passionate about, and um, it can be discouraging when you encounter um, maybe people not seeing eye to eye with each other within marriage and just seeing broken relationships in general. So um, Lord willing, this conversation can help bring to light or encourage, uh, convict if necessary, uh, marriages or people entering into marriage. So I'm really grateful to be here, Jamie. I think one of the things that would be helpful is to look at where we see the most uh, walls coming up, the most barriers coming up. What destroys relationships or why don't relationships just meld together? Because people get married with great expectations. And I think beginning there, that's one of the biggest reasons marriages fail is because people have unrealistic expectations of marriage. You know, especially when I was coming along, I think it's a little different today, but the expectation was that marriage was going to be the the end all be all it was going to save you it yeah. was going to make you into somebody you weren't and that was you know really promoted by the fairy tales such as Cinderella who had to scrub totally. a hearth before prince charming came along and yeah. snow white couldn't even wake up you know so <laughs> i mean it was yeah. it was like prince charming is coming and when he comes he's going to fix everything in your life and um that was that that is just not real because people expect from each other what only God can give. And we look at what what are those things that are that that are, are limited to what only God can give. Mm. One of those is security. Yeah. Um, another person cannot make you secure. You know, uh, they can't make you valuable or significant. They can't make you uh, they can't give you an identity. Yeah. They can't give you meaning or purpose, and they really cannot generate the fruit of the Spirit, love, good, peace, joy, goodness, kindness, yeah. patience, loyalty, self-control. And yet we go into a relationship expecting another human being to do that, and only God can do that. And yeah. so we have a saying that you have to be independently mature enough in Christ in order to be maturely dependent hmm. with each other. Yeah, so good. Because all of those things have to be in place for a healthy relationship. So I don't yeah. know. What do you think? I, I mean, that's amazing. I, one of the root issues, I think we can easily say pride. Um, that's a very generalized way of saying like what gets in the way of marriage. And really, that is one of like the biggest root issue in, in sin in general. But those expectations um, are, are setting the other person up for failure, thinking that they're they're the savior of this relationship, or they fall into the trap where the marriage is for them. Um, 
And I say that because like, okay, when we get married, how are they going to serve me? What is our life going to look like? And I always try to encourage people who are entering to marriage that they are married for mission, not just married for each other. Like it is a great blessing and opportunity that we have this side of heaven to be married to somebody else. But we have one from a biblical perspective, like a biblical worldview, like we are married individually for a specific goal to go and to make disciples into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, go like, and become more like Christ along the way. That's the sanctification journey. Um, if we understand that saying like, we both have that goal, husband and wife, we both have that goal, then it's less about me and more how we can be helpers for one another in accomplishing that said goal. And I don't think that's communicated early enough because marriage is people entering in naturally just focus on self first. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's, I tell people sometimes in pre-marriage counseling, you know, the best thing you can remember about this whole marriage is that one of you is going to bury the other. One of you is going to bury the other. You are not each other's savior. Yeah. And to have a joint purpose, when we come to to marriage, we make a vow. Mm -hmm. And we make a vow to God. Yeah. You know, and that vow is to love, honor, cherish. <laughs> and sometimes you know, people will go back to, well, I made a vow. Yeah. But in the meantime, they've spent years yelling at somebody, being yeah. nasty to somebody, disrespecting somebody, <clears throat> dishonoring somebody because of unrealistic expectations and unmet needs. And and I want to say, what did you vow to do? Yeah. Because what you vowed to do is, makes it essential that God stay in the middle of your relationship. I mean, we say that a relationship without God in the middle is a lot like two ticks without a dog. I mean, you're just yeah. going to suck each other dry. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is it is not going to to work. And then everybody gets mad at everybody because what we do in the dating relationship, we date terribly. I mean, yes, we prepare we for marriage very badly. You know, we we um, we put on our best face. Yeah. Dating, and one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard is by an author, um, speaker, Jefferson Bethke, and he said, dating without the pursuit of marriage is like going shopping without any money. You either leave disappointed or take something that doesn't belong to you. And oh, it wow. just totally wrecked me that. early on because that. that's the truth. And I think there's three misunderstandings in marriage that everybody falls into, myself included. I've been married. 11 years, 13 years together, three kids, love my wife, but we even fell into this. There's the naivety and ignorance that, hey, we live in a fallen and a sinful world. That means in our marriage, there's going to be outside stuff that comes in, regardless of how good we are. Like there's an outside sinful world that we're living in. The second is, I'm a sinner married to a sinner. So not only are the effects possibly coming in from the outside, they're also going to affect each other. And the third thing we forget is that God is faithful and powerful and willing to be there with us in those seasons. Because when we're getting the attacks, it's easy to be like, well, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to fix this? God's with you and all of that. And I think if couples knew that, um, the expectations and the bars would be lowered instead of putting people on a pedestal they never deserve to be on. And if someone puts you on a pedestal, you're surely going to be shot down. It makes it a lot yeah. easier to hit you, yeah. <laughs> you know. And that—that that is the 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 willingness to 
really see each other as just another human being, as yeah. someone who is is also struggling to figure life out, who's also right. struggling to make life work, who has who has needs and limits and feelings just yeah. like you do. Yeah. And to be able to communicate that, one of the things that I believe is that Love and truth are go simultaneously with Amen. each other. Yeah. And one of the things I see when a relationship begins to fall apart is that people aren't honest. You know that they they begin to it's hold scary. things back. They become they have secrets. And yeah. in recovery circles, which I've been involved in, mm-hmm. we say you're as sick as the secrets you keep. And the relationship is as, is as sick as the secrets that it holds. Yeah. And I've worked with people who have been married for decades, and there's major things that happened in one of them's life that the other one knows nothing about. That's right, yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like saying, you guys have been together for about 25 years. Do you think it's about time you met? Because (laughs) they don't know each other. They've never really spent that time getting to know each other. And it will be something, I mean, as big as a, a previous marriage, an abortion, yeah. uh, uh, you know, just the Some nature traumatic, of the family yeah. you came from, um, right. you know, illegal behavior that mm-hmm. you do, addictions that you have, yep. you know, that that the other person has not known before they get involved in the relationship yeah. or that has ha- happened during the relationship. One of the most difficult ones is if someone falls away mm. and has an affair. Yeah. That that often goes on for a long time, and what I find over and over again is that it doesn't mean that the marriage has to fail. Yeah. But what what is hard to hard to accommodate, or hard to forgive, or hard to hard to restore is trust, mm. because. For every lie in a relationship, once it's revealed, and truth is always revealed. Once it's revealed, trust is broken because I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And one of the essential things about being married is I have to know who you are. I have to That's know right. that I can trust what you say. Mm-hmm. I have to trust you to do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And when that's broken, it's just very, very difficult for people to restore it. And interestingly enough, the first time is not that hard. But then if it's broken again, every break is like a crack in the egg. And sooner or later, the egg falls apart. Yeah. I think my wife and I, uh, so Tiffany and I, when we got married, obviously we loved each other, um, but we were acting like roommates in a sorts. If there was a conflict, we're like, well, let's kind of avoid that for the mm. situation because like, we're supposed to just like be happy and everything. But me and my personality, and I think this happens, and thank God that he used this situation for, for great. So at the end of our year, first year being married, I just held everything in. I didn't know how to communicate properly my feelings. I didn't know how much to tell her of my past. I didn't know what to share, what not to share, because I don't want to break this marriage up, so I'll just keep it in. Whereas my wife just loves talking and like loves sharing emotions, puts everything out on her sleeve. (laughs) She does. Yeah. And we got to a head at the end of the first year where by God's grace, genuinely by God's grace, he broke us both completely. Everything was out on the table. We didn't go to sleep that night. We had music playing till four in the morning, just talking and crying and forgiving. And that was the most broken we've ever been. And the closest. And the closest. And God used it. And that was at the end of the first year. So the whole first year we were doing great, but it was like, we were just, we didn't know how to communicate and we didn't know how to be fully known until 
God just intervened and said, I'm going to take it from here. I'm going to break you, but it's going to be something that I build upon. And so at the end of our first year, that the next six months on was probably like the worst six months because we're building that trust over and over. But we always look back at that moment and that season as the worst, but also the best part in our relationship because we're like, okay, we never want to feel that again. And that mutual traumatic experience, like, like how can we avoid that over communication, not just transparency, complete vulnerability, mm -hmm. like, babe, I just messed up. And like, here we are, or vice versa. And we want to build upon that saying, no matter what you say, we are here for each other. We, we're not just here because we made a commitment. We are here for something deeper that represents something deeper as well outside of ourselves. And so communication, it's become a cliche over the years, like communication is key, but it genuinely is honesty, humility, communication, are all the soil in which a fruit-filled marriage grows. And if we don't have that, um, I think we're going to slowly see the exercise and futility that it actually is. Yeah, we have a, a, a definition of intimacy that is into me see. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, intimacy is transparency, it's vulnerability. And I think it's really hard when you feel like you failed, you feel like you didn't measure up, yeah. you feel like you've done something really mm -hmm. wrong. You've got to confess something to the person that you care about the most that you have done something that's truly hurt them. Yeah. And yet, it's a very, very important thing that that truth stay present in that relationship because of because otherwise the intimacy the the transparency the vulnerability um, goes away and without vulnerability yeah. love cannot exist mm. I mean it is it is love requires truth it Amen. requires that we be knowledgeable about each other and and so yeah. it's really very difficult because we tend to uh, not work through things. We are a cancel yeah. culture. And so we see so much of that. And if you grew up in a family that didn't talk about things, where there were a lot of secrets, where there yeah. were these strong no-talk rules that said, we can't talk about somebody's uh, addiction. We can't talk about somebody's raging. We're we're trying really hard to keep a peace that did not exist and yeah, does not exist and right. will never exist because we're stuffing and stuffing and it gets everybody in that gets sick. But you go out of that family thinking, I'm never going to do that with my family. I'm going to have the perfect family. Yeah. I'm going to have the perfect relationship. I'm going to have the perfect kids. Yeah. And we go into it speaking a language of survival that mm. does not allow for that kind of discussion. Plus, we don't have the tools for it. You yeah. don't learn how to face conflict. You, conflict is simply an individual difference. Yeah. It is not a competition of yeah. who's right and who's wrong or who the good guys are or the bad guys. We're That's all bad right. guys. So, you know, it's, it's not about looking at who the right and wrong people are. It's about... Really looking at how can we accommodate our individual differences in a way that most of our needs get met? Mm. You know, how can we do that? Yeah. And so as we work into that, it, it's there's there's something about moving away from the right, wrong, good, bad, and moving into this is an opportunity for us to learn more about each other, learn more about God, yeah. to seek God's help here, to grow stronger 
instead of looking at it as, as a problem to be solved, but to look at it as God has brought us to the opportunity to face ourselves. That's right. And yeah. if there's no relationship because God-given boundaries are time and space. And when you put a lot of your time and space in with somebody else's time and space, it's going to step on each other's That's toes. Right. Yeah. If it doesn't, I remember when I was in graduate school, one of my professors said, if you're in a marriage that has no conflict in it, then somebody's lying. Oof. <laughs> you know, and yeah. and it's not going to make it. And I was married at the time, yeah. and it was such a lie. I mean, it was yeah. we would never. Yeah. I had no idea how to be married, and neither did he. Yeah. And it, it, and and I was like, not my marriage. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll was, never happen. Yeah. And sure enough, he ran off with my best friend a couple of years later. But it yeah. was it was really. Um. I never forgot that statement. Yeah, I had a, um, I do premarital counseling, and I had this. It was a young couple, twenty and twenty-one, and they were checking all the boxes. Like, hey, we're gonna communicate. We're good at this. And then there was one part of the conversation where it's like, all right, if she does this, then I'm gonna divorce her. Um, <laughs> and I, I read his responses. You know, infidelity, abandonment, physical abuse. I was like, okay, you know your Bible, fine, but if I were to say that up front, and this never downplays any sin, ever. So that's not what I'm saying. But let's say there starts to be maybe uh, somebody starts looking at pornography or maybe has an emotional affair with somebody at work. That that expectation, that boundary has already been set. So if it starts to happen, you're like, I, I can't say anything because if I, if I do it, they're going to leave me. And so by having that right off the bat of just like, this happens, we're done, that's the contract, not a covenant. And that is actually creating an environment of isolation and seclusion instead of forgiveness and grace, which we constantly need to be reminded of. Again, never excusing sin and appropriate times to to take a step back, but it is saying, how do we live in a way that is forgiving first and grace-filled first, knowing that marriage isn't just contract driven. Listen, you hold up your end of the bargain or I'm going to leave you. That's not what God intended originally for marriage to represent. And so I'm seeing this in relationships that I counsel all the time, like that they do fall into that trap of doing the check marks in their relationship and expecting the other person to fill all of them. And then let's say the other person isn't filling them, then they'll go to them, unfortunately. And I've at times like, listen, I'm doing all this stuff. What are you doing? And that's so. That is such a common statement, right? <laughs> it is, you know. I, th- I think it that fear of disclosure yeah. prevents people from getting help in time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's a point at which a wounded body cannot be healed. I mean, there is a point that. You bled to death. I yeah. mean, there, there's a point when a disease advances because you didn't get it checked in time. Yeah. And, you know, by the time people come to me and sometimes to you, they often have waited so long. That's right. And instead of saying, I've, I'm attracted to this person yeah. at work, they have now got a full-blown affair going with this per- person yeah. at work. And it makes it much, much harder on each one yeah. to walk in that grace and walk in that forgiveness. Yeah. And to it doesn't mean it can't happen if both people, and that's the other thing. I have a lot of couples that come to me and they want their spouse to be fixed. Yeah, You know, I was talking to a woman not too long ago and, 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 and the first, I don't know how many 
minutes of the session were spent just berating, putting down, criticizing, you know, her spouse. And I finally just said, why are you here? Mm. <laughs> and also intimacy and, and physical intimacy had been out of the relationship yeah. for years. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, "And she said, I made a vow. And I said, what did you vow to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yeah. because making a vow is not a, is is specific, you know, and and when that is when that is broken, then I'm the one I need to look at, yeah, you know, and and I get, but very often when people come to me, they want me to be a judge, and I'll ask them, "Are you here for justification or yeah. restoration?" Because if you're here for justification, you're in the and wrong I, building. Yeah. Yeah. I don't wear a robe and I don't have a gavel. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm about restoration, yeah. you know. And if you want justification, if you want to justify your bad behavior, mm-hmm. if you want to justify your your disrespect and dishonoring another person, then I can't be here with that. Mm-hmm. If we can both go to that place where we can honor each other, then we got a chance of making it work. Amen. Um, you're reminding me of, it sounds strange, like Psalm chapter one. A lot of people, when they encounter sin or they make a mistake, they were like, oh, it was just, it was just one time thing. But then Psalm chapter one in scriptures talks about like, blessed is man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, sits in the seat or stands in the seat of scoffers or sits in the secret of the wicked. So like there's a progression that you see, there's walking, standing, sitting. And so a lot of times we don't like, we don't know how we got there. And like, this was just a one time, but there's Mm -hmm. a series of events that took place in one's personal disciplines that led them to that behavior. So let's say it is an emotional or like a physical affair, whatever. There's stuff and like safeguards that you've started to neglect or take care of to prune uh, in order to protect that. And so when we see couples coming in where it seems like, where were you six months ago? Where were you 12 months ago? In order to like safeguard these things. And I think we would be in a better spot if we were constantly being self-aware and self-reflective like, hey, I know we're rocky right now, but there's still a lot in my own life that I should work on for the sake of our marriage. Even if your spouse isn't there yet, again, if Christ is in them, mm-hmm. they, God has the same goal. Like the Holy Spirit is going to make his children mm-hmm. like himself. Now, the pace at which that happens is different. Like my level of growing to become like Christ is looks different than how my wife Tiffany is. My way is not better. Like my Holy Spirit's more effective than yours. Like, what are we talking about? Like God has each person on their journey. And so I always try to reflect back, like you might think you're checking the boxes, but what else in your life can you safeguard so that you avoid those big catastrophic things or thinking like, how did we get here? got here because you compromised in so many different areas, um, which makes it challenging. I think one of the big things that interrupts marriage is addictive behavior, Mm. whether it's alcohol. Yeah. I just cannot tell you how, what a destructive force alcohol is in a marriage because your ability to love and your ability to be rational. Somebody mm. said talking to a person who's who's uh, intoxicated is a lot like trying to talk to a, a light bulb, like blow out a light bulb. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it looks like a candle, but it's a light bulb. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because your your rational brain is compromised. Yeah. Pornography mm-hmm. is is absolutely destructive and disrespectful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, I mean, gambling. I work with people whose whose spouse has used up half of the family money or more 
yeah. and just the raging. I mean, there are things that cannot. And one of the one of the things that I believe is that until that behavior mm. is managed, we cannot work on the relationship. Yeah. Until that behavior is, I mean, it's it's impossible to heal a marriage if somebody's going to continue to drink, is going to continue to drug, is going to continue to watch pornography. Yeah. So, l- getting that behavior mm. under control first, yeah. and then we work on the relationship. But in the meantime. The partner has to work on themselves. That's right. Because yeah. you're building up a feelings of being betrayed, abandoned, resentment. Yeah. And so without help, that stuff just keeps on creeping up too. So the whole relationship sinks. Yeah. And and so it's just so important to clear the way for love to come in. Mm. And when you're in an addictive state, that can't happen, but yeah. I do believe that love is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. We were created by love, for love, to love, out of love, yeah. and so if and you can tell when love is still there. Mm-hmm. You can tell if a couple is really you know fairly quickly, even if they're pretty sick. You yeah. can you can really see if there's hope. Yeah. You know if if the hope is there, but sometimes for in my practice, people will come in to check that box. We tried counseling. It didn't work. And I just want you to know, counseling doesn't work. Counseling does not work unless you work it. (laughs) You know, I mean, if you expect a counselor or pastor or anyone else to fix you, and you're not going to change a behavior that's destructive, then you're not going to be fixed. Yeah. You know, your story is being written by you. Yeah. Nobody else can writ- write your story. Right. And so we have to decide what our story is going to look like. And you know, it's one of the one of the big things that when somebody has been betrayed in a marriage, you know, they they feel like a fool. Mm-hmm. And the world would tell yeah. them, you are a fool for mm-hmm. staying with that person. You're a fool. Yeah. And and I tell them, you know, if if you're a fool for loving, then Jesus is a fool because he loves us regardless. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if I love somebody well, and love is not pink fluff cotton candy, I'm going to accept every, right. I'm going to help you sin. Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. it isn't about that. But if I have true love and grace and in truth, mm-hmm. then I face Jesus and he says, job well done, my good and faithful servant. It's the person who betrays love that's the fool. Mm-hmm. You can't be a fool for loving, but the person who betrays love, we're fools because we betray God's love. Amen. You know, and we're a fool because we betray each other's love. Yeah. You know, and and so part of that is really allowing yourself to uh, to not let your love, your ability to love, be squashed. Yeah. You know, uh, because so often life hurts. Life is full of pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. People goof up. I mean, it is it is really important not to let your heart get hardened. Yeah. I've I've heard love described as this. Love is a self-sacrificing good for another without demand for reciprocation. It's just like this unending sacrificial dedication to another without expecting anything in return. And that's very difficult. Um, but I'm reminded of 
what marriage is and what represents and how we neglect that too. And a lot of the problems I think could be avoided if we understand the gift that we've been given, again, specifically within marriage, because when God created everyone and everything, we see this in Genesis 1 and 2, it's all perfect. It is good. He's He, he made everything. It's good. It's good. It's good. Adam and Eve, that's very good. There's something different about us. And as the story goes, Genesis 3, we see the fall of of man where we disobeyed, we wanted to, we thought we knew better than God and we fell. And where there should have been death, there there wasn't. God immediately showed his grace. And my point is like, what did he do in that story? He He took them out of Eden. He took everything away from them. But the one thing that he didn't take away was the covenant of marriage. He's like, I'm gonna let you keep that. And so literally when I think of marriage, my view is this is the only thing that we have from the Eden, from Eden, from garden. It's the only thing we have. So when people look at my wife and I, as flawed as we are, they should be like, oh, that's what it once was. That's what it could look like. And that's what it will be one day. That's what we get to represent. And it's not that we're representing this place. We're representing a love that Christ has for his church, this the self-sacrificial love without demand for reciprocation mutually. And so it's this cycle of what we once were. And I think if we understand the beauty and opportunity that we have to show a world around us, like how awesome marriage can be, I think there'd be so much fruit that can come with it. Because when I got married, all my friends were like, you, got, you just lost all your freedom. And I was like, I lost my freedom? If I lost my freedom in marriage, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Um, and so to me, marriage is one of the most beautiful representative images, again, of, of Christ and his dedication to the church and his sacrifice for her. I just think there's a, the danger in mm-hmm. that, number one, is there's also a gift of singleness, which Jesus had and Paul had. That's right. <laughs> you That's know, right. I mean, you don't, right. you, you know, everybody is not designed to be married. And that, right. is, and that is something that I think is a strong push in the church. But yeah. I think there's another, there are other callings as well. Yeah. And it's also very, very typical, especially in church settings, for people to present mm. rather than, than live. You know, they, they do marriage. Yeah. They 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 look happy. I have so many people come in and say, everybody else looks so happy. And I say, you ought to sit in my chair for a minute. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get an upfront seat to a lot of marriages, and yeah. they are. I don't see that same couple in church on Sunday. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. because looking good and being good are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. we do that in many ways often in the Christian community mm-hmm. is we're supposed to always look good. We're supposed to always look happy, always look loving. Yeah. And that is disastrous because right. I don't know any people who always, every morning I wake up and say, you know, gee, I'm just so glad to see you today. I, <laughs> I just want to give up everything for you yeah. today. I mean, today yeah. there's nothing about me. I mean, there's nothing that we can do that is going to make... I, I think the perfect marriage has pain in it. I think mm-hmm. it steps on each other's toes. I think we don't meet a need that we wanted that other person right. to meet. I That's think right. that there are going to always be those times when when we don't look good, mm-hmm. when we don't act good, mm-hmm. you know. And and so to me, it's really important not to say we're going to skip our needs, limits, feelings, and experiences and put on a front. 
Yeah. And and I see that way too often because and it really makes it hard to again because that's a lie. It makes it hard for people to get help. Mm. I totally agree with you yeah. that marriage is the most sacred relationship ever, and when it is well done, yeah. it is the most beautiful thing ever, and it's the most secure thing. Mm. You know, I watch my children. My children both have ended up with really good marriages, mm. and. You know, I'm really grateful because I never did. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to see a lot of marriages. I get yeah. to watch a lot of marriages. Yeah. I get to be involved in a lot of marriages. But the gift has been to be able to live really close to a couple of good marriages, you know, and to be able to 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 see the beauty and the safety that my children feel mm. with their partner. Yeah. I'd, I'd say with with marriages, it's it takes a lot of work. Like if you were to buy a property, just like an empty lot, doesn't look great. Most lots are just land with a lot of bushes and weeds. And when you're entering into marriage, there's a lot of cultivating that needs to happen of like, okay, I need to uh, maybe deconstruct this and I need to do some construction on this side. So in marriage, like, okay, we're not trying to make the other person perfect or Lord willing, that's not the expectation, but it's saying there might be some stuff since we are part of their story as well. How can we fix this and like maybe take this out of our system? Okay, maybe we'll plant some roses here because this was a great milestone for us and establish that over time, knowing that we are making something beautiful, but knowing this side of heaven, that perfection is not here. And so shame on us as a church, like Big C Church, if we ever put on a front, whether it's in with within marriage or dating or singleness, divorce, blended families, shame on us if we ever put on a front like, hey, we've got it. Because then who, who's going to want to share anything? Who's going to want to be vulnerable if everybody right. else has it? And that's not, I think, how the church was designed. Yeah. And I do think that it's important for us not to... Many people come into marriage. I see a lot of people trying to get to the wedding. Yeah. And they haven't thought a minute about the marriage. Yeah. They're just trying to get to the wedding. And, you know, we do this big, big thing there. It's urgency then, towards that marriage. They're trying as fast yeah. as they can. And, and they don't even have a clue what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, but they're they're trying really hard to, uh, to go into something that has been a fantasy that they've had. And the person that they're marrying, they put into their own fantasy about who that person is. That's and right. they go into it thinking, if I just love them good enough, long enough, hard enough, then and I don't have any needs, feelings, and limits, then it's going to all be happy. Yep. you know. And, and they're going to become who I wish they were, and they're going to fit right into my fantasy mm-hmm. of marriage and what it should be. And so they set about trying to... Uh, mold that person into the image that they created. And God right. did not create that image of marriage. They mm. created that image of marriage. God right. does not live in our creation. We mm-hmm. live in His creation. Yeah. And so to to get that reversed and realize that God is just putting two creatures together who need to work on themselves. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, yep. and to have and, that expectation, like the other person also has that mm-hmm. fantasy world that they're living in. And when you the other person doesn't meet those expectations, let's say they meet 70% of them, well, what are they going to do with that 30%? They're going to try to find it in someone or something else when they should have never been the person that you're finding hope and peace in because right. that's only provided through one. That's Christ himself. And going back to the unrealistic expectations yep. and really getting just real and honest about who you are and who you aren't. You yeah. know? And it, it's it's really important that, that people stay with truth. Truth has never been popular 
It's never been popular in relationship with Christ. I mean, we killed Jesus because he brought truth in the world. Yeah. I mean, basically, we don't like it. And the mm-hmm. truth about me is not something I often want to hear. And you yeah. know, it's, it's I would rather be that person who... You know, has everything together. Who doesn't have any needs? Who can handle it? I, yeah. You know, I got it. You know, but yeah. I'm not that person. I want to be that person too. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in conversation, I think what I've witnessed and you as well. Like we see people who try to be right instead of getting it right. And I think we would, if we started with a posture of humility in literally every conversation, it doesn't even have to be in conflict, but saying. Whatever situation, I could be the one who's wrong in this. And you you might not be, but like, could you be wrong? Yes. I think starting with that posture can help take away some of the the walls that people have up in every conversation, just being a good listener, being humble, uh, being transparent and vulnerable at times in those conversations. Um, yeah. Humble gratitude is, is, is the best way to live life. The best mm. way to live life is is to walk in humility and gratitude. Amen. And you know, one of the things I see when couples do the hard work of coming back together after they've broken apart yeah. is that they are, their relationship is richer than they ever dreamed it could be. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's real. Yeah. And they don't have to pretend and they don't have There's, to yeah. to hide things. And it's really important uh, to realize that forgiveness does not require another person to do penance forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I see that a lot. Bringing it up over and over and over again. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, if I shoot you, mm-hmm. you're going to bleed. Yeah. And I can put the gun down, and I, and I need to pay attention to you're now bleeding. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I shouldn't say, well, why are you still bleeding? Because wow. I put the gun down. So that's one issue that comes up is, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Why are you still on it? The other one is, how do I deal with the wounds that were caused by that behavior? How do I rebuild trust? How do I feel loved again? How do I feel significant in your life yeah. again? And, 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 you know, to be able to have the conversation is is important. I tell people, plan yeah. a time, make a date to talk mm. about it, because you don't want it to permeate twenty four seven. But yeah. if you have questions, if you need to say I'm struggling, if you need to do that, do it. Yeah. You know, have a time when you can grieve the loss of 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 the innocence of the relationship mm. when you had to get That's to right. the maturity of the relationship because relationships start out pretty innocent, mm. but then they have to mature. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so and it gets messy. It, it really is messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it really is. I, I mean, this is one of those times where like I'm listening to you and like super convicted. I'm like, oh gosh, man, I. I, those are so helpful, understanding, all right, truth has been laid on the floor. Here we are. Now, how do we not just kick people when they're down? Like, how do we walk with them in that and empathize and show compassion for and forgiveness and love? Because I think that's really where you're, you're truly known and truly where you have the opportunity to show that true love to them mm-hmm. when you feel like you really don't deserve it. Because that's so we come back to the to the thing of being f- the what makes life doable mm-hmm. is to be fully known and fully loved. Amen. Fully known and fully loved, and that's yeah. where we're trying to get to. And mm-hmm. when a marriage succeeds in doing that, yeah. there's no stronger bond. There's no stronger thing on earth than yeah. that. And yeah. so it's really good. Yeah. So I. 
Do you have yeah. other things you would like to bring up before we I just, close this thing down? One, one more thing for for couples, just to work at it, just to work at it. I I show a lot of grace to people when they're trying, and a lot of people throw in the flag too early, just because that's the easy way out. And most of the time, I mean, the hard stuff, the stuff worth having is difficult to, to accomplish. And so any couple that's out there, seek accountability. Don't be so prideful where you can't ask for help from somebody in your life, um, whether it's your pastor, your friend, family member. Seek help if you are struggling in marriage. Um, whether you've been married for three months or 30 years, I think I would encourage everybody to find um the humility to like, listen, I don't know what we're doing right now. And we may have figured out, like Tiffany and I, we are amazing, have a very healthy marriage, but there could be something in the next few months where it's like, whoop, and the enemy is just using that to like put a football foothold in. And when we get distracted from everybody, when we get distracted from the true purpose, that's where there's no flourishing, there's no light. And that's where the enemy of God likes to sit and he's like, look, look how distracted they are. Look how against each other they are. And so constantly seek uh, forgiveness for yourself towards other people, the humility to do it, to work on it, to ask for help and to keep on working at this um, and showing love without demand for reciprocation is every step that I would tell every marriage. Which remind me of, uh, of one other thing, a lot of people get love and control mixed up with each other, and they think because I love you, now I get to control you, mm. and they and the spouse becomes a possession. You know, like I don't want you to go out with your friends. I don't want you to be gone from me. You can't do things without me. Yeah, that marriage will die because yeah. another person is not your possession, and Amen. marriage is not an enslavement. Amen. And so, you know. It's really important for a couple to stay in community, to yeah. have a life that does not include the spouse, <laughs> mm. to yeah. to bring to the fire. It's like I've described it as a campfire, and it's nice to sit around that fire at night and warm and and talk about the day. But you got to go out and collect wood for the fire. Yeah, you know. So it, to keep it burning. You got to yeah. be actively involved in the world that you live in. Mm-hmm. You've got to have other people in your marriage, I mean, yeah. in your life, and yeah. and 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 to be a part of something bigger than the mm-hmm. two of you. Yeah, you know, not because that is that is going to get old and it's going to get stifled. Mm-hmm. And to not see the partner as a possession that's another big thing that comes into my office yeah is to see the partner as a possession or you you see the same thing with children being the glue of the relationship and that's and like what happens when they're 18 they move out and then then what relationship have you had or have you cultivated i told a mother one time i'm going to hospitalize you so your child can grow up (laughs) (laughs) right it's important like you're saying like (laughs) your vertical relationship with god is of utmost importance in regards to the the horizontal. Until you figure out you and your relationship with God to try to work on vertical relationships or horizontal will eventually betray you. So focus on your relationship with God yeah. first and foremost in order to fully flourish uh, yeah. horizontally. So get, getting back to being independently mature enough in Christ to be maturely dependent. Amen. It's always fun talking to you. You as well. I really love it. Yeah, love it. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm glad that you're here. Me too. And I'm glad that y'all are here as well. And 
If you liked what you heard today, please follow us on Making Peace and Beyond podcast. We appreciate any uh, ratings that you give, any comments that you give, reviews that you give. Um, And there's a lot more on Making Peace and Beyond media. We have not only podcasts, but we have uh, Facebook and TikTok and and, uh, a website, makingpeaceandbeyond.com. So follow us as if you will, and God bless.